If you would please take your Bibles and go to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter one. If you're visiting with us and needing a Bible, <clears throat> if you go to the chair in front of you, there's a black Bible. Go towards the back. They renumber the New Testament. Find page 147, 148. There you'll find Galatians chapter one. Go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Way to remember that. <clears throat> Galatians, after 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians chapter one. I'm gonna do the first 12 verses and, and I had said, I think maybe, I don't know. Maybe I didn't, I don't remember. Anyway, so I think I said we were, I, 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 think I said we were gonna go through Philippians, but I decided as we're coming towards the end of the year, <clears throat> what a better way than to focus on the gospel uh, and the emphasis on the gospel. Not that Philippians doesn't do that, but Galatians really emphasizes the gospel. And so I'm like, this would be good for us uh, as a body uh, to focus ourselves on the gospel. So that's what we're gonna do. I think it's uh, 13 weeks in um, the book of Galatians. We could probably go longer than that, but we'll just do 13. It'll take us to the end of December. Galatians, uh, we'll go through that 13 weeks, 13 or 14. Excuse me, so Galatians chapter one this morning excuse me, chapter one, verses one through 12. Galatians one, one through 12. Let me read and then we'll jump in. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you, and priests from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us out of this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. I'm amazed that you're so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is not another only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even though we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed, anathema. As we've said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to that which you received, let him be accursed, for am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I was still trying to please men, I would not be a slave of Christ. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. But it was through a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's known as the shot heard round the world. At least that's how Ralph Waldo Emerson, American poet, called it, described it. The first shot at the Old North Bridge in Concord, Massachusetts, 1775. Started the Revolutionary War. This year was a 248th anniversary of that shot of freedom 
for the 13 colonies. So in two years, it'd be 250. Wow, crazy. Another shot has been heard around the world as well. But it wasn't a shot from a gun, but a shot of news. It was news of freedom. It was news that would upset whole religious systems. It was good news. No, no. It was great news. No. It was, uh, as the song goes, the best news ever. What is it? What is our news of freedom? This is our news. We are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. So live in this gospel freedom. This is the heart of the gospel. That you can be justified, you can be made right with God as by His grace, His undeserved favor alone. Through faith alone, your trust in one man, the God-man, Jesus Christ alone. So live in this gospel freedom. There's key verses that bring this up. Uh, chapter 2, verse 20 of Galatians. You're probably familiar with that. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith and the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Even verse 21, I do not nullify the grace of God. That's the gospel, what he just said. For if righteousness is through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Even in chapter 5, verse 1, Paul said, it was, Paul said it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to yoke of slavery. This is the gospel justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Live in this gospel freedom. And if we could title Galatians in any way, we can title it this way Live in gospel freedom. Live in this gospel freedom. You can be made right with God, a right standing with God as an act of His grace alone. And it's received through faith alone, trusting in Jesus alone. Live in this gospel freedom. This letter was written to a number of churches in southern Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. And Paul had to come in. He had to deal with some things that were happening. We're going to look at that in a moment, a distortion of this truth, of this gospel truth. Because you, you don't add to the gospel. You don't take away from the gospel. You can't gain God's approval. You can't gain God's love. There's nothing that you can do to get God's love. You did nothing. He loves. He decides to love. And yet the great part is, as Paul says in Romans 3, he is still just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So how Paul had to write to these churches number of churches there in southern Galatia to protect them from the Judaizers. These guys called Judaizers 
they wanted to add to the gospel by making Gentiles, and, 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 and Jews too, but Gentiles to keep the law specifically, you had to be circumcised to be saved. You had to keep the law, and then you can gain God's love. This is bogus. Yet, these churches were buying into this nonsense. So what did Paul have to tell them? And tell us about this news of the gospel? What did he have to defend? Well, we can bring up, split up the book in these three different ways, three different aspects of this book can come up. And we're gonna look at this holistically today because Paul brings us up in the opening 12 verses. First, we're gonna notice how this gospel freedom news is divine. It's from God. And that's the reason Paul defends this good news and defends himself. This gospel freedom news is divine. Second, this gospel freedom news is vital. It's, it's significant. It's of high significance. It's of high importance. And then he goes on from chapter 2, verse 11 to chapter 5, verse 12 to tell us why it's so vital. So this news is divine. This news is vital. And third, this gospel news is relevant. And he shows us how to live in this freedom. How do you live in this gospel freedom he shows you from chapter 5, verse 13 to chapter 6, verse 18. And you might say, oh man, I didn't, I didn't get those, I didn't write those down. It's divine, vital, I didn't get that. That's okay, because in the 12 opening verses of this letter of Galatians, Paul actually summarizes what he's going to say in the rest of the letter to these Galatian churches. He starts out with the first point. This news is divine, Look at verse one. Paul, an apostle, not from men, not through the agency of man. Paul, fully clothed with the authority of the one who sent him, equal to the latter, the other 12, he had the right to speak for God as his delegate. He was in the office of apostle. He had the gift of an apostle. And notice he says, not from men nor through the agency of man. It's not of human origin. He's not from a human medium. It's from God. This is divine. This news is divine. It's from God. His apostleship was genuine. So this news, this gospel news is from God, derived from God. Its origins is from God. Not from man. He's, he's, he's driving this home. And then notice, that's the negative, the positive. Again, verse one. But through, the, through Jesus Christ, the, the agency of Jesus Christ and God the Father. God gave Paul this news through Jesus. Through the Messiah. So, so those reject. Paul and, and, and this news, this gospel freedom news 
You're not rejecting Paul. You're rejecting Jesus. You're rejecting God the Father because it came from them. And every time Jesus comes up, Paul makes it clear he is from God. Jesus sent me. I didn't come up with this stuff on my own, people. So this gospel freedom is news from God. It's divine. We didn't make this up. It comes from God himself. And that's what we tell people. I didn't make this up. I didn't come up with this on my own. This is from God. If you disagree with this, it's fine. But you're not disagreeing with me. You're disagreeing with God. This news is divine. It's from God. It's from God himself. So, number one, this news is divine. Number two, notice, this news is vital. Still in verse one, all the way to verse four. Notice he says, God the Father who raised him from the dead. Now this is vital, (laughs) no pun intended. This is the only direct mention of Jesus' resurrection, this whole letter. So it makes it extra vital, extra special. This displays God shouting out that the sacrifice of his son has fully and perfectly satisfied his just wrath. And and Paul proclaiming this news was living proof that Jesus' resurrection truly happened. It was an historical fact. Notice he says, verse two, Paul, and then verse two, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, the apostles' fellow workers, including Barnabas, the churches that Paul started on his first missionary journey, those in southern Galatia, that's modern-day Turkey. Verse three, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, grace, peace. Grace, unmerited favor. As Rick Collins said, I heard this this past week, Grace is giving us what we want. And peace is giving us what we need. We want God's favor. And we need God's peace, don't we? We want God's favor and we need peace with God. So grace and peace comes from this news. That's why it's vital. That's why it's so significant. Do you want grace? Do you need peace? This gospel news is vital for that. It's the only way to get that. And then look at what he says, grace to you and peace, God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the terms, Father, which anticipates our adoption as sons of Abraham. Lord, calling Jesus sovereign. Jesus, he saves. Yeshua means God saves. Christ, he's the Messiah, the king who will come again. He's using these terms on purpose to to make a point. This news is vital because of who these men are, but who Jesus is, who the Father is, who Paul is as their representative. And and notice what he says as well, verse four, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, the sovereign one who saves us, the king, the Messiah, 
who gave himself for our sins. Jesus willingly gave himself for those who would repent and trust in him alone for salvation. Voluntary, deliberate, intentional, substitutionary. The final sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice by Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. It was his sacrifice that satisfied the righteous demands of an absolutely holy God. He reconciled sinners and provided redemption, provided adoption for you because he gave himself for our sins. This is vital. He gave himself for all our sins. This is vital. Jesus had to die in our place. And that's why Paul says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 9, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Jesus. How are you justified? What's the means to faith? Faith in what? Jesus died for your sins. He gave himself for all your sins. Past, present, future. So, we are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, who died for us. So live in this gospel freedom. The only way you can be made right with God is because Jesus died. And it's this very news upon which upon which churches stand or fall. It's the news through which everything else flows or or, or should flow. Music, Bible studies, fellowships, counseling. I was in a counseling conference, a virtual conference. We do biblical counseling not doing EMDR, not doing cognitive behavioral therapy. That, that's not biblical counseling. Membership, evangelism, a worship service, everything. This news is vital because really it's the only way by which we can be saved. It's the only way you can be saved. If you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus, you haven't trusted in Jesus, you're listening to this message, you haven't trusted in Christ, this is the only way you can be saved. You must trust Jesus. Turn from your sin, trust Christ. He'll receive you. Come. He'll be more than happy to receive you. He loves to save sinners who humble themselves, saying, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I believe you died for my sin." I turn away from sin. I repent and I trust in you. He welcomes that. He welcomes that. This news is divine. This news is so vital. And three, it's relevant. 
It's relevant. You could take it away, do, do something with it today, now. Notice what he says in verse four. Who gave himself for our sins in order that he may deliver us out of this present evil age. This news is relevant. This news brings freedom. Jesus gave himself Jesus gave himself to rescue us out of the present world which is dominated by evil. It's emancipating news. Remember Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation. Abraham Lincoln, he proclaimed all slaves to be free. Here's that news. They were freed. I'm not a slave anymore. That's relevant, isn't it? That's real. Jesus self-sacrifices what brings us out of slavery to sin into freedom. He's already shown us a key theme in this letter. A new age comes in fulfillment of God's promise. We're saved by this gospel truth and we live in this gospel truth. That's how we treat each other. He's gonna bring that up. That's how it's relevant. And, And notice, according to the will of our God and Father, this is what the Father wanted to happen. It was in his plan. So if one makes light of the son's work, then that one makes light of the father's plan, the father's work. This was not an accident. It was all according to the father's good pleasure to strike his son. And notice, Paul goes into doxology, goes into praise and thanks, verse five, to whom be the glory forevermore, amen. So, so great, so marvelous is this work that God deserves all the praise, never-ending praise. Paul pondered the great love of God for sinners, his awesome grace and mercy to us. This great work of Jesus, according to the Father's plan, leads us to praise, at least it should, right? Leads us to giving thanks, at least it should. We praise him for being so merciful, for being so gracious to us. And then it, it, it leads us to worship and praise and, and thanks to him, and then it, it spurs us on, at least it should, spurs us on to how we treat each other. You'll see that, because it'll say, serve one another in love in chapter five. But continuing on, So this news is divine, it's vital, it's relevant, and from the text, so, so, because it's divine, it's vital, it's relevant, so first, don't desert God's news. Look at verse six. I'm amazed that you're, well, hold on a second, hold on a second, stand by. Do you notice something? There's no giving thanks for the churches. There's no nice greeting. He went straight to the issue at hand. Even in Corinth, 
He says, I, I thank my God for you, blah, 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 and then he gives in the issues. But here he doesn't do that. He doesn't give any type of thanks. Notice he starts in. I'm shocked. I have overwhelming amazement. <clears throat> I have painful perplexity. Serious urgency is at hand. I'm dumbfounded that you've done this, that you're so quickly, quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. What are you thinking? They say that in Southern California, right? Dude, what's your problem? Deserting. Uh, the, the word denotes military desertion, political strife. Uh, the one who brought the effectual call into their lives is the one to whom they're being disloyal. They had abandoned grace. And, and really, this separation, don't desert God's news, this separation is not just from grace, but from the one who gave them grace. The grace which is from Christ, which could affect your destiny. You've abandoned grace. You've abandoned Christ. You've abandoned Jesus. What are you thinking? You're not thinking. We're a different gospel, he says. There's only one gospel. But these disturbers, we'll look at that in a moment, we're making this other news, the gospel, which is not a gospel, a good news at all. There's only one good news, yet they were deserting this wonderful news. He was shocked. What are you doing? Don't do this. Uh, verse 7, we're going to get into this, what he says, which is not another. There's only some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So first, Paul's saying, don't desert this good news, God's news, don't desert it. It's, it's divine, it's vital, it's, it's, it's so significant, it's relevant. Don't desert God's news and don't be disturbed by distorted news. A different gospel, which is not really another gospel. Only there are some who are disturbing you. Um shaking you, stirring you up, troubling you, agitating you, throwing into confusion, manifesting itself in tumultuous terror. They're disturbing you, they're shaking you up and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Uh, a word means turn around or pervert the true gospel. And what's this distortion? Paul slowly works his way through the letter telling us what it is. Chapter 2, verse 3, verse 21. Uh, oh yeah, look at uh, 2.21. We read this earlier. He said, I do not nullify the grace of Christ for if righteousness is through the law then Christ died needlessly. This distortion is you can gain God's righteousness through doing stuff. Chapter 3, verse 2. I want to find out from you, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? 
chapter four, verse 10, chapter four, verse 21, chapter five, verse two, three, and four, verse six, verse 11, chapter six, 12, 13, verse 15. He's going throughout. He was referring to these Judaizers who said you must be circumcised for salvation. Look at chapter 2, verse 16 with me. He says this very clear. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. You, you, you can't gain it by what you do. You can't gain it by circumcision, but this is what they were saying. These Judaizers, these had willfully perverted this God-given news, and then they wanted to draw others into this fatal error. Paul would call them to reject anything that tra- that contradicts this gospel that he preached so that it comes, it comes down to this, verse 8 and 9. But even though we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we've preached to you, let him be anathema. You can't even get any more stronger than this. And notice how he includes himself. We, or an angel from heaven, should preach another gospel. And his fellow workers. Paul was not excluded from this warning. The gospel was at stake. Doesn't mean I, me, Jim, can be anything different from that. Or any of you. The gospel was at stake. So he gave the harshest warning ever. And he says it again. We'll look at that in a second. So he's saying, if a divinely appointed apostle, and that includes me, y'all, or even an angel from heaven alters this gospel news, then that one should be eternally damned because it's not true. Wow. Wow. Anathema means to be given over to God's wrath, to be cursed by God. That's what it means. So anyone who alters or changes or modifies or slightly tweaks this divine, vital, relevant gospel, good news from God, deserves damnation. That's what he says. Now notice, on a practical level, this clearly goes against the cult of Mormonism. Latter-day Saints, LDS. They are not Christians. Can I just say that? They LDS are not Christians. They're not Christians. Don't think of themselves as Christians. Jehovah Witnesses, not Christians, no. This goes against Islam. You know, there's no, they're, they're, they're trying, these missionaries trying to connect and, and merge Christianity with Islam. Muslims do not believe in the same God as us. They do not. Muslims do not believe in the same God. They do not. There's no other news, no other gospel than what we've proclaimed. So 
any addition shows complete repudiation of the all-sufficient Jesus. Jesus is completely and totally sufficient. Take a beverage. This is not coffee, by the way. You know that, right? This is just water. It's a good thing. If it was coffee, I'd really be hyper. I mean, you don't, I mean, I'd really be, you think I'm hyper now. I'd really be hyper. And just take a beverage. Like take a, uh, my wife loves uh, th- those um, Celsius, you ever had those Celsius drinks? Oh, they're, they're, they're wonderful. They have 200 milligrams of caffeine in them. I mean, they're, they're, they're kickers, right? They'll, but they got good stuff in them too. Caffeine's good for you, right? Sure it is. Of course it is. So let's take a Celsius. Or take, okay, let's do something that's more, uh, maybe more up your alley. Take a latte, okay? Just Starbucks over there. I got a venti latte, please. <coughs> so you get your coffee. You show me. It's a, wow, this is great coffee. Here, I got this poison in here. It's just one drop. It'll be fine. One drop of poison. You're good. No, no, you're not good. You put one drop of poison in your coffee, your latte, lights out, right? Bye-bye. Don't put one drop of poison. That's not gonna, no, no. (laughs) That doesn't work that way. And yet that's what people think. You put one drop of poison in the gospel, but it's fine, it's okay. No, it's deadly. And Paul speaks so strongly about this, he says it again, verse nine. As we've said before, so I say again now. If any man is preaching to you a gospel, now any man is preaching to you a gospel country that which you received, let him be anathema, goes further in his word, including anyone who proclaims a different news or message. The same result. May she be eternally damned. May he be eternally damned. There is no gray with the gospel. Huge major implications here. First, you got to get the gospel right, right? It's got to make sense. And it's the members of local bodies are responsible to maintain the pure gospel. Notice he didn't just talk, talk to elders. To the elders, that no. To only the leaders, that no. He says to the churches, to all the members. Members of churches, it's, it's about... You maintaining that the gospel is pure. Your responsibility. And it's about the gospel. It's not about politics. Or a particular political party. Donald Trump's not the savior. Don't think that. He's not going to turn this country around. Jesus is going to turn this country around. Let's get things right, right? It's not about your job, your social status, social media, health. It's about Christ and the gospel. This, this gospel is divine, it's vital, it's relevant. We've got to get it right. Here's some other gospels. God means for you to be happy. Uh, it's self-centered, uh, you can get 
get what you want from God. The Bible is merely, merely your therapy book. God wants you to recover from your habits. That's AA, or even celebrate recovery. That's what they emphasize too. It's work-based. You can gain his approval by your works. Um, your identity is placed on your struggle, on your gender, your sexual orientation. That's another gospel. You can find unity in a group identified with your struggle. That's a gospel. You need a greater self-esteem. Those are other gospels proclaimed today. That's not this gospel. That's not the one true gospel. So, he started out with, don't desert God's news. It's news divine, it's vital, it's relevant. So don't desert God's news. Don't be disturbed by distorted news. And then, but know that this good news, it pleases God. This news, this gospel freedom news pleases God. Verse 10, 11, and 12. Look at verse 10. For, am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still striving to please men, I would not be a slave of Christ. Now, now, what he just said in verses eight and nine, that would have shocked his readers. So Paul justified what he said by pointing out his motives. Because apparently, he was accused of conducting ministry to gain converts. Someone like Paul came up with this himself. Maybe he's trying to get rid of circumcision. They, they accused him of teaching freedom from the law so he could get Gentiles on his side. They said he was trying to win human approval. They said he was trying to please men. That's why he brings these questions up. Look, would a popularity seeker throw out anathemas like this? If you're seeking popularity, you want to say, hey, guess what? You preach another gospel, you're a curse. You know, you preach another gospel, you're a curse too. You and you and you and you. You're a curse. That, that's not a popular contest. You're not winning a lot of popularity contests saying that to people. He's not seeking man's favor. He's not seeking to please God. This good news pleases, not seeking to please men. This good news pleases God. He wants to please God. Notice the end again of verse 10. I would not be a slave of Christ if I'm trying to please men. His purpose was ultimately to please God, not man. His sole aim in life was to be true to the true revelation from God. He was God's slave. So think about that for a moment. As a slave, you do exactly what your master says. That's how Paul viewed himself. And of course, he viewed himself in other, other ways in relation between him and the Father, him and the Lord Jesus Christ. But here he says, of Christ, one of the aspects of my relation with him is I'm his slave. So if he tells you to do this, I'm gonna do it. And then he, he expands this, notice in verse 11 and 12. Verse 11, for I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor was it taught, was I taught it, but it was through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Look at what he's saying here. His gospel, this gospel is not from men. 
It must not be altered in any way. Look at these three phrases that Paul uses to emphasize this truth. He says it's not according to man. It's not received from man. It wasn't taught to him by man. You see that? He's trying to emphasize the importance that this news is divine. It's from God. In other words, it doesn't go back to how he grew up. Have you ever had some people do that to you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you grew up here in this gospel. That's why you're a Christian. You ever hear somebody say that to you? No, not so with Paul. Uh, this gospel was not taught to Paul. He did not sit under the feet of teachers who explained the vital truths of the gospel. No, it didn't happen. Notice what he says, the end of verse 12. Through revelation of Jesus Christ, God revealed Jesus Christ to Paul. It was from God the Father who revealed Jesus to Paul. This is connected to the appearance of the resurrected Christ on the Damascus Road in Acts chapter 9. Friends, that's why this news, this gospel pleases God. Because it's directly from God. It's God's gospel. This gospel belongs to God. It's His. It's not yours. It's His. And He's telling us to proclaim this and to live in it because it's from Him. It's vital. It's relevant. And Paul was driven. He would not allow some other gospel to be proclaimed This pleases God. It's the only one. These other gospels please men. God's gospel pleases God. God's gospel pleases God. So, by way of introduction for the book of Galatians, we've looked through these first 12 verses. This news is divine. This news is vital. This news is relevant. And and we're going to truck through now. Next week, you're going to see this news is divine. This news is vital. This news is relevant. He's going to do that in his letter. So don't desert it. Don't be disturbed by other gospels. This gospel pleases God. We are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Live in this freedom. Live in this gospel freedom. Living in gospel freedom. That's what Galatians is all about. Let's stop and let's thank him for his gospel. And Father, we stop and we pray thanking you for your gospel. Thanking you for saving us. Lord Jesus, thank you. As we read, you gave yourself for all our sins so you can deliver us, rescue us, out of this evil world so we can respond to each other the way you responded to us. We can serve one another in love. Help us to live in this gospel freedom. Help us to live in the freedom of the gospel. Help us not to take it lightly, 
but to take this seriously. Use your people for your glory, we pray. And help us because it is the evil one. Uh, He's called the accuser on purpose. He accuses us. You sinned. God shouldn't save you. You did this and you call yourself a Christian? How could you do that? Oh God, bring us back to the gospel. We say, yes, I did do that. And that's why Jesus needed to die for me. And he did. Because I'm a sinner. And yet Jesus is gracious and he saved the sinner. And so I encourage you to do that. Speak gospel truth to yourself. I think it was Lloyd-Jones who said, don't listen to yourself, talk to yourself. Tell yourself the gospel truth. If you listen to yourself, you might listen to lies. If you talk to yourself gospel truth, it will be truth. Tell yourself gospel truth. Speak the gospel truth. Remind yourself of the grace of God. It's found only in Jesus. Because the grace of God that changes us, it's the grace of God that that saves us, it's God's grace that changes us. We want his favor, we need his peace. So take this time, a few moments. I'll pick a little bit with my guitar. Just you can, just between you and the Lord, just relish in this time. Between you and the Lord, just to speak the truths of the gospel. Please do that now.